an illusion. And that, like, you're never strong, you're never safe, you're never protected, you're never free of ridicule. No, no, I'm a total whore for the yucks. Like, that's, that's, I have that thing in the back of my head that's telling me I can turn coal into a diamond and I can make something really dark and sad and funny. Falling down, falling down as it's schadenfreude, like just, you're suffering, and if that person suffers, I've suffered, we are now sharing in suffering. Comedians Exposed, a podcast where comedians talk about vulnerability with your host, Deanna Kobe. excited today to welcome today's guest who has recently been named an industry pick favorite by the Jersey City Comedy Festival. This comedian is well known all over New Jersey and New York. In addition to performing stand-up comedy, he is an improviser, a writer, an actor, a voiceover artist. Besides being an industry pick for the Jersey City Comedy Festival, you may have seen him on Toronto Sketch Fest and at the Garden State Comedy Festival. He's produced and performed on WFMU's Prove It All Night and Redundancy Radio and was a regular contributor on In Real Life. He's been seen on Manhattan Neighborhoods Network's The Special without Brett Davis, as well as The Best Show with Tom Sharpling. He appeared on Dan McNamara's Wish Weasel. He was in School of Rock. He's an artist, and we are so lucky to have him here today. Let's please welcome Nick Fierro to Comedians Exposed. Welcome, Nick. <laughs> hello, hello. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> there was there was a little bit of a, a voice in the back of my head that told me to clap for myself, and then the rest of my brain was like, "How dare you!" How dare you, you stupid no, idiot. No, let's, let's clap for you. No, you no, 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 no. Now that's, that's pandering and I'm not going to do it. No, it's true. I should have clapped for you. I'm so proud of no, you. It was great, man. Thank you. Thank you. It was, it was really fun. I did a set for my bathtub and uh, I had a good time. <laughs> what was your set about? The, for, the, for the comedy fest, I was like, well, I need to make it a little more about, you know, like things I know that have worked in the past if I'm going to try to put my best foot forward. So I really like, I hate, do you, do you feel this way? Like once a joke works, you kind of want to stop using it. Like once it works, you're like, well, I figured this, I, it's like solving a Rubik's cube. It's like, it's good. Let's just put it in the corner and let's leave that there. So I, I don't, I haven't done a lot of the stuff that I did. I'm just sick of, but I did it because it, I know like, I like it, but I, it worked out. It worked out good. I had, a, I had a fun time. It was fun to do that material again. Like yeah. Do something that I know. But also, you're on Zoom, so like you don't know if anyone's laughing. You can kind of hear like weird digital chuckles. You can't see anyone's face. Like, <laughs> what do you think the biggest difference is between Zoom comedy and doing it in a room full of people is for you? Mostly the room full of people part is <laughs> missing. That's the. It's like it's like if you if you you know watch let's say you're watching like a concert on tv like you're not in the crowd you know what i mean like it's just sort of it's weird you're it's it feels almost more like you you do this because you're trying to make so, at some level you're doing this because you're trying to make a connection you're doing it this way there there feels like a very very strong disconnect <laughs> between like i'm not used to it yet i'm sure i could get used to it 
Yeah. But if, it's true. Like not having the eyeballs on you directly, it, it yeah. changes the level of anxiety, at least for me. Is that true for you? Yeah. But also like I think about people who are so confident in their material that it doesn't matter. Like, like I think about somebody like, let's say, um, Brett Davis, who did the, the special without Brett Davis forever. He did that at Manhattan Neighborhood. He did that just in a, in a soundstage at a, man, at a public access studio with like, you know, there could be anybody from 10 to 50 people in the crowd, but it didn't matter. Because when you're watching it at home, you're just watching the, 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 the stage and the crew and all those guys do their thing. And it's still the funniest thing in the world. Like, you don't have, I think it comes down to like, I like comics that don't need the laugh to gratify you don't always need like some people who who just go up there and know they've got something and are happier to say it and it doesn't matter if it gets a laugh or not because like some people figure stuff out words that matter and that they're not worried about getting the laughs or but they're getting out to say what they want to say like can you think of some comics that like you know are good but aren't like because at some point like you know the, you know when you're in that mood you're, let's say you you go out and like your first bit doesn't land right and it throws you off kilter so then you spend the rest of the set trying to like gain everyone's trust back there are some people that don't need that trust and just continue on with what they were saying where do you fall on where do you think you fall i wish i had enough time on stage to just get really quiet and slow and dark like, I love that so much. Like, I, I, I'm too much of, like, a lab... I turn into, like, a, a doofy, hyperactive labradoodle. Like, sometimes when I just want, like, everyone to be in a good mood and happy. But I have had more fun doing, like, dark, weird, slow stuff. Try to burn this weird, long, slow, dark story that never really pans out. Like, I like those a lot. I'm a yeah. big fan of them. So you're more, like, kind of, like, keeping people on the edge of their seat? Not even that, just it's fun to confuse people. Like, you don't always have to get that laugh. Like, it's overrated. If you, if it's more memorable. I've seen more people that just walked into a room, did a 10 minute set that was just a jaw dropper, but no one knew what to make of it. Or, like, you can be, you know, it wasn't, like, they weren't belly laughs or anything. Oh, yeah. Just what the fuck did what I just was that? What was An experience. You want to, giving people an experience, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is that where you would say, would you kind of describe that is how your comedy is? That you are, you're not necessarily going for the yucks. You're giving people to be like, what the fuck did we just say? No, no, I'm a total whore for the yucks. Like that's, yeah. that's sadly what I, that's what I'm trying to do just because I feel like that's the currency that I can accept. But I would love, like I have so many more, like, if I could just sit in that like silence for a while and just let that stew, I'd feel really good. But I just lack the, I think I lack the patience of just like, I, cause I want to think that I'm just keeping the show moving and I don't want to disappoint. But um, if I could just sit there and just let, like, have you ever, you ever been, or have I ever done the, the bit around you where there's the, the old woman that calls me every year on her granddaughter's birthday? Tell me the bit again. It's, well, basically, like, three years ago, I got a voicemail, and it was an old woman wishing her granddaughter, she called me by mistake, and she was wishing her granddaughter a happy birthday. And I never, I just listened to it whenever I was feeling down in the dumps, because it was nice. It was just an old woman saying, like, happy birthday, like, she was being really cute. Uh, And I never called her back to correct her, because I feel like the problem would have solved itself. 
And then a year to the day later, she called again in tears saying like, you know, apologizing to her granddaughter saying, if you don't want to talk to me anymore, you can just let me know. I'm sorry. So then I called her back and I tried to explain like, Hey, listen, I'm really sorry. You called the wrong phone number. And, um, and you know, I'm not your granddaughter and I'm really sorry. Who are you trying to get in touch with? And she just didn't believe me. And she started getting upset with me. She thought I was put up to it by her granddaughter. She started saying things like, if they don't want to talk to me, they can just tell me they don't have to put you up to this. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm sorry. I did what I did my best. And I, I, I through, throughout the course of the conversation, I find out the granddaughter's name and I look her up and um, I find out, you know, cause I know where the phone call came from. So I'm looking around, I'm looking for whatever person's name that is in whatever part of New Jersey that is. And I'm pretty sure I found out that her granddaughter was like a state trooper that died in a DUI accident. Um, and I tried to bring that to the stage. Because oh. I have the voicemails on my phone. So I would play the first one and say, they'd listen to it and everyone kind of chuckle and go, that's not my grandma. And they'd really laugh. And then I would just say something like, well, buckle up. And then I'd play the second one and I'd explain it and then just watch everyone's face change. And I feel like that was way, and then I did tell the rest of the story um, without giving up any too much. And I, I just, that was more of a, I remember my knees shaking after doing it because I was so, I don't know if that was a good move. I don't know if I should have done that. That's a bad idea. And I've tried to, it's never really, uh, yeah. I don't name names, so I feel like I'm, I'm kind of safe in doing it. It's real gross. It's a real gross thing to do, but it's, that's the opposite of a joke. What, so you know? what were you trying to achieve by doing that? I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was tricking people into thinking they were going to hear something lighthearted and then pulling the rug out from under them. And I like the idea that the first time I ever did it, no one believed it. And I kind of like, that's a terrible thing to say <laughs> is that like, I was like, oh, you, re- you legitimately heard something awful just now, but I can give you s- suspension of disbelief that I'm just a- an idiot who made this up. But I know it's real. Yeah. And, uh, I-, I only did it twice, and I really couldn't keep doing it. It's- I tried to do it once for, like, a storytelling showcase. Yeah. Because I felt like it might work, because it- it's an interesting story. And I tried to do it for a storytelling showcase, and it did not go over well at all. Yeah. It was like, I, yeah, it was bad. Because the, the person that went up before me was like an 11-year-old girl that told a really cute story about giving a homeless person a stick of gum. And then her parents and family were there. And then I went up and woof. And ironically, like I had more friends come out for that show than any other comedy show I'd had. I thought I was going to like tear up the room and like, they'll show them. Like I thought, I, I don't know what I thought I had. Yeah. Uh, and I know, I just, I still have the voicemails and I just, uh, she didn't call back this year. So I don't, I look, I'm still trying to make a punchline out of it. That's There's how shitty I am. Like <laughs> yeah. No, but isn't that like what, you know, you always kind of want to do, especially I feel like the things that elicit the strongest emotional reactions are where for like the best jokes lie. Yeah. And I think I thought I could turn something dark into something light. Like that's obvious. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I, I, I just thought I could make it into something that people would remember. And I remember it just being a disaster. And it, it really, really, really never worked out. Do you think you but, didn't work through it enough? Because that sometimes too, like, especially when you have the jokes that start off in the worst places, 
those I feel like take forever to get through, you know, to keep, you have to, you have to sit through so many people's faces of like horror and disgust. Yeah. Okay. Let me try it this way now. Let me try it this way. Well, well, the thing is like, I don't, for a guy that like, for a guy that works, I'd say I work blue. I'm not very dirty. I'm not very gross. I don't really do too much. Like I don't do sex stuff. I don't do anything that's, but like for a guy who does curse a lot and get, kind of gross on stage like i my worst fear is hurting someone's feelings like i never want anyone to feel bad about anything i've done i'm not i, I, I would i would i would hate that to know that but i think at the same time i have that thing in the back of my head that's telling me i can turn coal into a diamond and i can make something really dark and sad funny because that's what i would want to do you know what i mean like I'm, my goal is to make people feel good I never want to hurt, like, I re- like legitimately, if I knew I offended someone, I know it's weird to say, like, 2020, where if I offend someone, I feel like I'm um, doing a bad job, where it seems like that's an impossible feat. But, like, I never want to hurt anyone's feelings. I'm a, like, that's, like yeah. so this, this voicemail thing, I always thought was, like, there's something here that I know could give peace and solace to someone somewhere if I figured out the way to spin it just right. To crack, like, there's an old Gallagher joke where he's talking about the mallet and he's talking about how it can, like, make tomato sauce and it can make juice. And then he's like, it can also make julienne fries, but you've got to crack that son of a bitch just right. And I love that idea of, like, if you can just hit something with a hammer just right, it'll splinter into the thing you want it to be. That's one of your opposite jokes? No, no. Opposite jokes are different. Opposite jokes are when you just say something that's sad on purpose, like, really sad. Oh, no. Like, uh, like, let's say, like a kid opening presents on Christmas. I was talked to my wife before about this. I was like, we were just sitting out front and talk about opposite jokes because I do them a lot. And uh, it's like, oh, you see, like a kid opening presents on Christmas. You're like, oh man, one day that kid's just gonna forget that toy ever existed, even though their parents probably really put a lot of time, care, and thought into it, and they're just gonna grow up and it'll probably just get put in a yard sale, and no one will even want it. They don't even want it. And then they'll probably just throw it away. And then that person will forget that they ever got that present from their family. That's an opposite joke where you just try to like <laughs> dig as deep as you can into it. But I do them with a smile on my face while I'm driving a lot. Yeah. So it's, it's this sort of, uh, yeah, it's acknowledging how <laughs> shitty things are with a smile on your face, I think. Do you sprinkle that into your act? I try to, but I feel like a lot of people don't like that. <laughs> That's actually, I'm glad you brought this up because that actually now, because I want to kind of segue, you know, I feel like those jokes that, you know, people aren't supposed to laugh at, but you know, people are going to do like, there's a very specific type of sense of humor that you're tapping into. So I want to kind of get into it with you a little bit. I want to know, because Mm -hmm. like, I feel like the jokes that make us as comedians most uncomfortable are usually those jokes that are going to be like, oh, fuck, you know damn well, there's going to be a whole room full of people that are going to be like, no, you can't do this. But there's going to be those people that are like, oh, oh," you know, and they get the butthole face, you know, but so I want to know what is your jokes? What's your joke that you have that makes your butthole clench up doing? Because you know that people are going to be against you, but you're going to have people also on your side. Love All right. First of all, those people that do that are my heroes in comedy. Because like I said, like I'm such a, I'm so afraid of hurting anyone's feelings. Like I try to like, you know, get a little weird, but like also I, it would make me sad to know I, I 
fuck somebody up. Who knows whether or not they're like overly set? Who cares? The people that go out and say the most, I wish I could repeat some, like there have been some amazing, amazing things I've heard that I would never utter in a million years. <laughs> like, I don't agree. Obviously you don't agree with it, but it's almost like fantasy yeah. where it's like, imagine real repercussions for, for prejudices and hate didn't exist. And you could literally just say the craziest shit you wanted to. But in reality, those things do exist. So you do have to be mindful of that. And like, but man, oh my God. It's not my lane, but it's, I mean, I have a bunch of jokes that are really just off color. Like I think one was um, just stupid. It's weird how much it'll level. It doesn't work for me because I try to play a little like fake innocent in my, in my bits where it's like, not me guys. But like, I remember trying to end a set once. I had a, I had a good, I had a pretty okay set once. And I ended it with like a one liner that went, um, Hey, I think the saddest thing about, um, uh, having a stillbirth is that from that point on you're a milf with an asterisk and i remember it getting an audible gasp from everyone in the room and me just going like just kidding guys and then i went into another one real quick and then just like left <laughs> but like shit like that like i obviously don't like, come on it's a joke you're in a comedy show like i I've, I've never been offended in my life, but that's easy for me to say. Straight white dude, easy for me to say. I don't. I haven't worn the pants of anybody that I could be, you know, up for pissing off. Do you feel that comedy sometimes gets a rap of being like a freak show? Well, you're up there by yourself, trying to. You're either doing one of two things. You're either trying to relate to everyone in the room by being like, hey, we've all done this, right? Or you're doing the polar opposite, which is like, I bet you've never thought this thought in your life. So it's one of the two. There's the, there's the you know, Bill Engvall, hey, I got a family and I'm okay and you're okay and we're going to be all right if we all just da-da-da-da-da. Like there's that. And then there's Sam Kinison coming out with Coke dripping out of his face, just screaming because he got hit by a car and the devil went into his brain. Like there's, and there's middle ground there. There's of course middle ground, but like, as far as the personality on stage goes, man, you can, you can, that's the best part. You can do any of it. I don't know how it works. No one knows why we laugh at shit. No one can explain what humor is. So if you can figure it out, if you can wedge your way in, yeah. in some way, shape or form, you've done something that a lot, a lot of people can do. And I think the reason I got into this was that like, it was an, not an experiment, but like I study people. That's all I do. I sit and watch. If I could sit on a park bench for 10 hours straight and just watch people go, I have no idea what they're thinking. Yeah. They might as well be bugs or birds or anything. I just watch them. I don't know. I don't get this. But then like if you can figure out what might make one of them react in a specific way, it's, it's, I don't know why I like that, but I figured something out. Like I feel like I figured a little bit out. I don't, can't make them like me. I can't make them hate me. I can't make them give me a job or trust me or anything, but I can make them laugh for a fucking second. Yeah. Ooh, I'm big into that. Big time. What's humor but, for you? I don't know. I think about it all the time. I love goof. Like if you can, if you can pull the rug out from under me, I will just, I'll lick milk out of a bowl at your feet forever. Like, do you remember, you remember, um, uh, we were just we brought down some DVDs because there's no internet down here. So we brought some DVDs down, and one of the DVD sets we brought was TV Funhouse, the the series on Comedy Central that aired for like I think eight episodes. It was it could never be put on television today. It's just this irreverent, 
crazy show. Rob, Robert Smigel and a bunch of people that, that were Conan writers and things like that did it in like the early 2000s. I think 2000 it aired. Um, and it is the most silly slaps, like, like dark, weird, very dark, like a dog, a dog that has to quit eating his own shit. So he gets imitation shit. <laughs> and at one scene, he's at a restaurant and the, all the, there are a bunch of animals that eat at a restaurant called, oh shit, I forget what the restaurant's called, but that you have to eat yourself. So if you're a duck, you're eating duck. If you're a lamb, you're eating lamb. And they're actual animals and puppets doing this. And one of the dog, he's like trying to eat this imitation poop. And someone's like, this tastes like shit. He's like, no, don't say that. It tastes just like poop. Sweet, creamy poop. And he just looks into the camera like just this destroyed, destroyed, like, I don't know what it is, man. I don't know what's funny. I th- I, a fart is funny. Like no one doesn't think a fart is funny. But if you know a fart's coming, it's disgusting and gross. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think about it. I think about it every single day. What's fun? If I can figure it out, I'll have it made. It's like that surprise though, right? Comedy, the element of the surprise of like, it's like is it? You're, you're not expecting this to happen, especially too, because you think about like farts, like how come farts are so funny, especially when they're happening at like really inappropriate times. But even even the unexpected thing doesn't factor in because then there are jokes I know that if I hear them again, I'm going to laugh, even though I know what's going to happen. Would it be like a word or something that makes you laugh, like saying a word uh, like a certain way? The best, the best way I can think of it is like a, a good belly laugh. The first time you're surprised by something is sort of like when you hear a song for the first time that really goes like, you know, you hear like a song for the first time and you get that chill through your whole body. Like, Oh, this, what is this? And then every time you hear that song, you get that feeling, but not quite as much, but you still get, you're still taken back to somewhere. Cause they say we remember that we don't remember things. We remember the last time we remember things. So like, you don't, you know, your 11th birthday, you don't remember your 11th birthday. You remember the last time you remembered your 11th birthday. So a laugh, it takes you, it transports you somewhere. It brings you back to somewhere where you were, you, you threw away the vestige of concern and worry and everything. And you were just in the moment and laughing. So then you can have it again, which is amazing. Like, um, uh, I, I, like even someone else, laugh, it's weird because it's contagious too. Like there's something about it, yeah. but there's also something about those dark, weird jokes that don't necessarily get the laugh that you still remember. Yeah. So like, I, I honestly have no clue. I don't think anyone will ever. It's been how we've been around 10,000 years in our semi-current form. No one has figured it out. No one's got a form. There are people who claim to have a formula for music, like number one hits. They have like, beep, 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 No one knows how to make people laugh. How do you just figure it out? Humor's changed over time. And what do you think is universal that's always been part of the human experience? Falling down. (laughs) Falling down. Falling down is always schadenfreude. Like just you're suffering. And if that person suffers, I've suffered. We are now sharing in suffering. Also like, you know, power crumbling is always funny. Like someone in power coming down is always, is like there's a little bit of humiliation or like little you know, masochism in that, where it's yeah. like someone in power falling down the stairs, the president, a prime minister burping, or like when George Bush threw up on people and then 
the Japanese government made a word for it. <laughs> like, that's funny as shit. <laughs> like, because he took himself so seriously. He was part of the CIA. Like, he was so built up. And then, like, I think it sh uh, comedy shows that strength is an illusion. And that, like, you're never strong. You're never safe. You're never protected. You're never free of ridicule. No one is. No matter how you can wall yourself away and arm yourself to the teeth. But someone will make fun of you no matter fucking what. Yeah. It's so good. It's such a good feeling. Is that you can, anyone, a guy, a guy, a, 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 a crazy woman washing batteries in a puddle in, in Soho can make fun of the president. And someone passing by will go, <laughs> I know, right? Like, it's, yes, 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 yes. So in that, in that respect, it's powerful. Do you get a sense that today it's not okay to make fun of people? How do you, how do you respond to that? Well, it depends. It depends how. They say like punching up versus punching down. That's one way you can look at it. Like, are you making fun of someone who's been ridiculed forever and dragged to the dirt and you just think you have a fresh take on it? Or are you trying to find a different way of explaining why the way things are shouldn't be? I don't like... I, I, I don't think, you know, racist jokes are funny. I don't think sexist jokes are funny on principle throughout the thing. I'm not saying if someone makes one that's really good, I'm not going to go, <laughs> like, part of laughing at stuff is laughing at something you don't think you're supposed to laugh at, too. Yeah. And that's why this gets even weirder, is that, like, even though you're told, like, you know, pun don't punch down, all that, like, every now and again, someone tells a joke where well, you're not supposed to say that kind of stuff. And you're like, Jesus Christ. Like, you, you, you don't want to be the one to do it, but you cringe a little bit and you get like, okay, all right, all right, all right. That's it. Stop it. What are we doing? Stop. And it, you can do it once. It's sort of like that, that trick you can pull one time. It can't be your thing. But I don't know. I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't know. Why do you love it so much? Why is it your favorite thing? I don't know. Why do you, why do you love a person? Why do you like an animal? Why, I don't know. It came up, it came up to me. It found, it found me when I was little and I've, I've loved it ever since. Like I remember How watching. How did it find you? Staying up late at night watching TV. I remember um, when, oh God, I want to, I want to say this. I've yet to confirm this, but I, you know, Brian Posehn, I swear I remember when he had really long hair and I have like, I think I found a few images of it, but I remember seeing him on like, um, on USA it would be like duck man would come on weird science. And then at like 10 o'clock just stand up would happen on Friday nights. And I would watch stand up and my parent, I was just on my parents brought me up. Like I would sit, my mom and dad would be here and I'd be in the middle of a bowl of popcorn and we would watch in living color and living color was my first like, it was 1989 to 94, and like I was a kid, and we were just watching that. And it was the funniest thing in the world. My dad would bring me into like we lived next to Patterson. We were going to Patterson all the time, and my dad found a Homie the Clown poster of Damon Wayans, and I remember that hung on my fucking wall. Like that was I idolized that motherfucker. And then my parents took me to go see George Carlin in 1995 or six in like the Sussex Sussex County like theater, and. Um, he just shit all, all the shit my dad got into that summer, George Carlin shit on. My dad got a tattoo and started smoking cigars and George Carlin just shit on tattoos and cigars. And it was, and my dad leans over to me halfway through. He's like, he probably smokes cigars. Like it was just really good. It was so funny. <laughs> just funny. It just, I, I, yeah, I got, I got hooked early. I remember um, Bob Nelson when I was in sixth grade, there was a prop comic named Bob Nelson. 
who had this HBO special where it was the, the front of an apartment building. You can definitely find this on YouTube. It was the, the, the material, eh, but the acrobatics of it alone where he played, I want to say 20 characters that lived in this one building. And it was an apart, a fake apartment building. And he would like, there was a series of ladders and slides and poles inside for him to get around. And he just did character work. And I remember buying props and filling up uh, duffel bags full of props and just trying to emulate that and do his act. I got his whole act down by like fifth or sixth grade. And I went to go see Howie Mandel in sixth grade and AC and shit. Like oh, early on. I've been, really I've been, yeah. You got really young. I got, yeah, I got hit on the head with it and then just didn't do anything with it throughout high school and college. And then after that, just I, I was, I kept watching it, obviously. I would always watch it, but stopped emulating it and then got into it way too late. Yeah. Like, I wish I started doing this when I was 18 because I was more than prepared. I just didn't do it. And now I'm like, you know, almost 40 and chasing the fucking dragon. So like, start young. Like, but how would your life be if you don't have it in it? If you didn't have comedy? I don't know. I guess I, w- I would just do my job and go home. I, I For like 10 years, I just did nothing. I just worked, didn't do anything. I, I'd work, come home, work, come home, work, come home for like a decade. I did nothing. I didn't, I, don't, I would play cards on Fridays with my friends, make them laugh, and then come home. And that was it. I was nothing. I didn't, I had like a 10 year just of nothing going on. So what does comedy, uh, what does comedy bring to your life? Um, I don't know. I mean, aside from like the people I've met through this are my favorite people. Like some of my best friends, like my, 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 you know, obviously my, my closest friends from childhood and stuff, but then my, my, my comedy friends who like have supported me and helped me do all this crazy shit. Man. I, I love it. I love that I can just meet someone and be, if we're into the same kind of humor, you get somebody right away. If you get their sense of humor. It's perfect. Like you, you don't need to. You don't need to build on it at all. Like if you get the same jokes as somebody, you're, there's something, and no one knows what that thing is inside the both of you that makes you laugh at the same thing. It just is there. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, all my buddies are just fun, goofy douchebags, and there it's great. I, I've never. It, what better feeling is there than to see somebody and immediately laugh for no reason other than like ah, like oh, oh yeah, it's great. Oh, it's wow. perfect. Yeah, there's nothing better than that at all. What would you say to, what advice would you give to the audience on how to be a supportive audience for you? If you don't think something's funny, that's fine. Please don't ever heckle. Like that's, it's so like, because only because like, I I remember when I was doing like, maybe I'd get booked once every other month, once every other month for like an afternoon gig like man i put so much into this and i was working so hard and i invited a bunch of people that didn't come and no one's here don't shit on what i'm trying i I promise i've tried harder for this than you've tried for most things in your life please just don't fuck it you're not making the show better you're 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 making it about you if you want it to be about you start hitting open mics i'll join me join me in my fight (laughs) like we can go through this together if you want but don't shit on my fight like yeah no don't heckle. If you don't think it's funny, that's fine. I'll, I'll find something that'll make you laugh. What do you think motivates hecklers? I don't know. Thinking it, thinking it's just easier about them, or not just a lack of lack of empathy for thinking like, oh, this person uh, wrote this whole thing. Like you would never heckle a piano concerto, or a ballet, or you know, a movie. No one heckles movies even anymore. No one yells shit out during movies. 
why this one live performance is the one time you're allowed to be like, fuck you. Like, why? Why is that? Um, also, like, some comics are way, I mean, way, way, way ready for you to do that. So you might get your ass handed to you. Like, if you're doing it to impress somebody, I don't think it's impressive. <laughs> You better be ready, yeah. Well, Nick, I just want to say we have loved having you today on Comedians Exposed. You have been so much fun to talk to, so interesting. Nick, you know, and I do really appreciate, even though he's on vacation, you guys, this he took time out to sit down with us to let him talk with him and offer up his comedic insight, which we are so appreciative of. Thank you. Oh, I keep because you keep disappearing. I didn't know if you were done. I didn't want to. Oh no, no, no! I'm so sorry. Yeah, but we, I do. I really um, we're so grateful that you could be here with us today. It was really, really fun. Is there anything that you would want to say to as we wrap up tonight to anybody interested in thinking that they might want to try comedy? What would you say to them? I say try anything. Why not try whatever you want, man? As long as like. Obey no laws, do no harm. The world, the world's yours, man. Do do figure it out. It's 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 a it's a terrifying, awful place, and you're gonna be fine all the way through it if you keep your head on straight. So if you want to start doing it, start doing it. Don't expect it to be easy. Don't expect people to be nice. People will be very, very, very nice, just not when you expect. And take notes, 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 take notes notes take notes write down everything i don't write down shit and i missed out on a bunch take notes start early it's never too early shut up take notes start now also don't start now there's enough comics uh i need a stage time so no stop i take back everything i said <laughs> oh well nick we're again eternally grateful that you can join us today on comedians exposed and we look forward to seeing you hit the stage again soon Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nick. (laughs) Thanks, Ian.